WHHHFM Speedway W286 CA Available in HD Broadcasting from the Isaacs and Isaacs We win.com Injury Lawyer Studio It's the show where Indy comes to top Open lines with Indy's newsman Cameron Root And good morning to you, Indianapolis. We are here live in studio after some technical difficulties getting the show off the ground. We are here. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Little, coming to you on this Sunday morning just after 8 o'clock, the first Sunday in February. Happy February. Happy Black History Month. I don't know about you, but January was the longest month ever. And we're so glad we are starting a new chapter uh, with the month of February. We've got a good show for you this Sunday morning. Prosecutor Ryan Mears is working to help parents across Marion County with, one, getting their driver's license back while simultaneously getting child support payments to the parents and the children who need them. You know, here in Marion County, when you do not pay your child support after three months, your license automatically gets suspended, and that puts parents in quite the situation. They've either got to drive on a suspended license or they're going to take a risk. Uh, or they just don't go to work. And that, in turn, does not help the child. So we'll be talking with the prosecutor here in just moments. I will also get an update with, from him on all things Marion County Prosecutor's Office. You know, the prosecutor is always willing to uh, take our questions, and he is prepared to take questions from you when you call us at 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009 is our number to give us a call here at the radio station. Uh, let me just pull up a note here that I got to make sure that I share with you. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Let's see. Uh, phones never work when they're supposed to. There was something I wanted to share that I made a note on, and uh, it's like it doesn't exist anymore. But I will uh, find that for you. Okay, here we go. Got it. Um, wanted you to know that this week uh, on Tuesday, the Central Indiana Dialogue on Public Safety uh, after Memphis is happening. Uh, one of the people who will be on there, no coincidence, is the prosecutor, Ryan Mears, who I said will be with us here in just a moment. Uh, but this is a panel discussion to talk about that public safety 
is public health, and public health is public safety. It is a panel discussion. Uh, they say in these challenging times, they are asking every pastor, faith leader, thought leader to address the issue of importance of the inextricable social contract that the community must have with public safety. They're going to talk about the history, the sacrifice, the blood, the pain, and the price of that relationship with emphasis being used on the catchphrase. Uh, so on that panel, you'll have Mayor Joe Hogsett, Bishop David Hall Sr., Sheriff Kerry Forrestal, Chief Randall Taylor, uh, Chief Jim Barlow from Carmel Police, um, Carmel Mayor Jim Brainerd, Attorney Zach Myers, as well as Marshawn Woolley, who is, among other things, he's a criminologist. Uh, again, Prosecutor Ryan Mears, and it'll be moderated by our very own uh, Tina Cosby here at Radio One, along with Attorney Robert Turner, who also hosts a show on our sister station, WTLC AM 1310, 92.7, 95.1. So we set that up to lead into a number of things we get to ask the prosecutor about today. Uh, and we start the show off with a shout out. Good morning to everybody who is watching. Uh, good morning to Sabrina. Good morning uh, to the Jones family out on the west side for being up and listening uh, to the show. So you can already start to get your callers calls in right now, 317-239-1009. Uh, let's bring the prosecutor in. Prosecutor Ryan Mears, sir, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. You all are, are always pretty active with a number of things, uh, whether it's initiatives. And I know you're going to you're going to be on the panel on Tuesday. Uh, let's first talk about um, the good faith initiative. Um, as I had said, this is an opportunity for parents who. Um, are falling behind on child support in Marion County. Once you hit the three-month mark, a computer system automatically suspends your driver's license. I know there's no discussion about it. There's no hearing. It just happens. And that one catches a lot of parents by, by surprise. But if a parent can't drive in a city like Indianapolis where we don't have a lot of mass transit, uh, they're probably not going to be able to get to work. And, and you see that as a bit of a catch-22. Division actually won an award statewide because we had. Guess what, prosecutor? Guess what? Hang on. I was just alerted that nobody could hear you. They could only hear uh, me talking to myself uh, because of the number of technical difficulties we have. I think I have it fixed now. Um, and so they've just been listening to me breathe into the microphone while I listen to all of the good things that you said. So. Um, for those of you who didn't turn the radio off yet, thank you, because people started texting me. We can't hear anything anymore. Um, I was listening to Prosecutor Ryan Mears uh, talk about the Good Faith Initiative, which now I'm going to have to ask him to talk about again, because nobody heard anything he said except me. Uh, so let's restart. On our live line this morning is Prosecutor uh, Ryan Mears, um, who wants you, among other things, to know about the Good Faith Initiative, which... Uh, is an opportunity in Marion County that allows parents who are falling behind on their child support to get caught back up uh, quickly. Um, in Marion County, there is a system that automatically um, connects to the BMV. And so when you fall three months behind on your child support, it automatically suspends your license. Uh, and that is a problem for parents who have to drive. You know, we don't have great mass transit. We have Indigo, but it is not doesn't get you everywhere. doesn't get you outside of Marion County. And so people have to drive to live in Indianapolis. And without a uh, driver's license, they either have to take a risk and drive on that suspended license or they don't go to work. And therefore, they are not 
getting a check to pay for the child support for the child that's in need and prosecutor that for you uh causes a catch-22 absolutely it's great to be on to hear everybody hopefully everybody can hear me uh now the texts are Uh, coming in they can hear you okay perfect (laughs) that's good man you have a very responsive audience (laughs) yes i do Uh, yeah, so the, the Good Faith Initiative, is, as, as you stated, in, in the state of Indiana, your driver's license is automatically uh, suspended if you fall three months behind on your child support obligation. There's there's no administrative hearing. There's no appeal process. It's just suspended. And so what we found is there's a lot of people in our community who fall behind on their child support obligations. Their license gets suspended. Maybe they know about it. Maybe they don't. Um, and then that takes them out of the workforce or gets them involved in the criminal justice system. And, you know, oftentimes serves as a barrier to employment and participating in their child's life. And so what we tried to do with the Good Faith Initiative, what we told them is, hey, if you make a good faith payment towards your child support obligation, uh, we'd be willing to reinstate your license. The reason I want to do that is I want to get people involved in their kid's life. I want them to be in a position to pick kids up from school, take them to extracurricular activities. Uh, but I also want them working. And uh, the best way for us to, to get that child support money is for people to be employed, to be gainfully employed. And the driver's license too oftentimes served as a barrier. And and so by providing people that opportunity to have their driver's license, hopefully they're able to be uh, more active, uh, but also make sure that they're employed. And then that leads to us being in a position to collect more financial resources that we can then distribute to the kids who need it in our community. Now, the second question I had asked you when only – Uh, no one could hear me, was how successful has this program been for Marion County? Are you seeing an increase in people paying child support? Absolutely. And and, and probably the biggest area we see the biggest increase is a lot of first-time payees. Uh, 75% of the people who participate in this program have never paid a dime towards a child support obligation. So we're getting more people involved in, in actually paying money uh, the prosecutor's office actually won an award statewide because we've never collected more money uh, and we've had more people paying into the system, which are two metrics that we use to determine whether or not we're being successful. And so it demonstrates uh, that the Good Faith Initiative is working because we're getting more people paying in. Uh, we're able to collect more money and that money doesn't go to us. It's distributed to kids here in Marion County, which I think is the most important thing. Um, what do you say to people who say there goes mirrors again? Just giving, cutting people breaks, not holding people responsible. People aren't paying their child support, and so he's just going to let them have their driver's license back. Well, we're, we're not letting them have their driver's license. They have to, you know, they have to make that good faith payment, and they have to continue to make that good faith payment in order to maintain their driver's license. But what I would tell people is the old way wasn't working. Uh, we literally had tens of thousands of people who had their driver's license suspended, and they weren't paying their child support obligation. And so if we see a problem where it's like, hey, the current structure isn't working, it's not providing a benefit to the community, and we're looking to improve things, uh, hopefully people see that, that as us being the prosecutor's office. We're looking to solve problems, and we're looking to find solutions to this issue. We had way too many people in our community who weren't paying anything towards child support, and we had way too many people with suspended driver's licenses. And so we came up with this program to try to address both of those issues. Uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of people who drive out of Marion County uh, to their jobs. And when they drive out of those counties, you know, when they get, uh, if they have a suspended license and they get involved in the criminal justice system, the consequences can be pretty harsh outside of Marion County as it relates to driving offenses. And so we're keeping a lot of people out of the criminal justice system. We're providing people an opportunity to work. And we're collecting more money, which can be distributed to the kids in Marion County who need it. 
And so that's just a tremendous benefit. Uh, if we do things the old way, you know, we collect less money uh, and fewer kids as, as a consequence of that receive that money. And there's probably fewer people in the workforce. Uh, so this solution that we have offered has gotten more people a driver's license. But more importantly, we've been able to collect more money for kids uh, and we've got more people paying into it. So we think it's a win for not only individual families, but for the community as a whole. Two things I know. Uh, explain to people you are able to get their driver's license reinstated, but you're not able to change the court ordered uh, payment amount or the length of how long um, they have to pay that amount. But also the second part of that question is if people want uh, to start paying child support and get their license back, they can call you or connect with your office, right? Uh, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. So let's let's appropriately set expectations for people. I'm not a judge. I cannot modify what you are ordered to pay per month. That's 100% up to a judge, not up to me in the prosecutor's office. Uh, secondly, there's a lot of people who have a rearage out there, uh, and it's a huge number. Uh, I can't touch the outstanding rearage. The only kind of role or function we have at the prosecutor's office is this very small part as it relates to the driver's license. Uh, and so if people are initiative or, or interested in this initiative, they can reach out to us at mcpo at indy.gov. Uh, just send us an email, put your name and contact information in there. We need your name, date of birth, and a good way to get back to you. That's just mcpo at indy.gov. And then you can also just reach out to us uh, online. We have an online form that you can do. It's indy.gov backslash mcpo. Uh, there's a link there for a good faith initiative. If you fill out that form, we'll get back to you. Uh, we want to try to help as many people as possible, and that, that, that's two ways that uh, we can access, you know, hopefully be able to bring these resources to people. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. That's the number to get on the show here this morning. We're talking with Prosecutor uh, Ryan Mears. He was just telling us about the Good Faith Initiative, an opportunity for parents who are behind on their child support, and it has caused their license to get suspended. Uh, if you contact their office, make a good faith plan and a payment to pay that child support, uh, the prosecutor's office can get your driver's license reinstated the exact same day. It's a one, two, boom, and uh, the children and, and families are getting those child support payments, and you get your driver's license back and do not have to take that risk of driving uh, while suspended. While we have the prosecutor, this is also an opportunity to talk about all things that are happening in the prosecutor's office um, and uh, the prosecutor is ready to take your questions. Before we go to the phones, though, I've got a question for you myself, uh, Mr. Mears. On uh, There was a story this week at my other station, at Fox 59, uh, and I'm hoping that you can help explain this to people um, as in regards to this. A man was arrested on a murder and robbery charges, um, but he was released before the actual charges came down on him. So he was he was involved with one crime one day, and he got arrested for that. Um, and then he was quickly released out of jail the very next day, among the things he had a gun that he wasn't supposed to have. He was released the very next day. Um, and that apparently happened before your office could even charge him for that crime he was released and then killed somebody and is now back in jail. Do I understand that right? And where is the 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 issue here with somebody going to jail one day for having a gun and, and robbery, uh, gets out the next day, 
but then the next week is um, arrested for killing somebody. Yeah, so so I guess just to, to, to make sure we're all on the same page with, with procedurally how that works. So mm-hmm. Which is what I'm asking. Yeah, so, so there's an individual who was, who was arrested uh, on, handgun, on, on a handgun charge. Um, that uh, arrest took place in the uh, – there's there no robbery charge. It was just a gun-related charge. Okay. And that person was brought into the jail, processed uh, as he ordinarily would be. And the way the, the system works in Marion County is basically once you get inside the jail, uh, you are immediately uh, – there's a bond put on you based on whatever the arresting charge is of the police officer. Uh, and so what happened in this case, the charge that this individual was booked in on, uh, I believe, was like a $150 cash bond. Uh, and also the way it works in Marion County is as soon as you enter the jail, you can post that bond uh, immediately and, and right away. And that's what happened in this particular case. Uh, and so individual gets arrested. Uh, they immediately post the bond and they're, they're released. Uh, well, by the time it, you know, when it, because the person posted so quickly, uh, they, they posted before we received the, the file or the case. Uh, we upfiled the charges. We filed additional charges and asked that the person be held uh, because we believe they posed a threat to the community. But at that point in time, the, the individual had already been released. Um, so that's kind of procedurally what happened in that case as a, as a result or as it relates to the person's uh, bail or bond. Uh, and just so everybody's aware of that, that goes for everybody. You know, if, if, if I'm arrested, if, if you're arrested, uh, your bond is going to be based on whatever the arresting officer puts into the system. Uh, there's going to be a bond immediately assigned to you. And once that bond is immediately assigned to you, you are able to post that bond immediately, which is what took place in this case. I bring this up because time and time again, callers or on TV or whoever, um, they point to you. Well, the prosecutor just just let this guy out. And so the reason I asked that question was to get the background on the procedure. And so as you just explained, um, and I don't know the the, the, the timing of, of this person, but let's say he gets arrested at, and I'm just making some up, 8 o'clock at night, um, and he's able to bond out. He goes to jail. He's able to bond out that exact same night. He's literally out of jail before your office is even open. And then you say, well, hang on, actually, this guy, this, let's call him Bob Smith. Bob Smith, we're going to add additional charges, and he needs to stay in jail. And then that's when you find out, oh, they let Bob Smith out last night because he was only um, – uh, he, they let him out at eight o'clock this morning because he was only charged with carrying a gun without a permit, just making up something. Um, and is that when your, your office is like, well, no, we were going to charge him with X, Y, and Z cause he shouldn't have had a gun. He did this, he did that. And we were looking for this guy or something like that. Is that kind of how that situation plays out? Yeah, a, a little bit, but I mean, we also have prosecutors who are working 24 hours a day. Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, we don't have necessarily office hours on, on screening cases, you know, I think the the challenge for us is just you know when when we're not a, we're not the arresting agency, mm-hmm. uh, we're not the person who's filling out that information, and and so there is going to be a little bit of lag time as someone gets processed by the time that information reaches the prosecutor's office, and and that's what happened in this case. I, I think the question that we as a community need to consider is doesn't make sense for someone to be able to immediately post that bond as soon as they basically break the threshold of the door at the jail. 
Um, and, and that's what people are currently allowed to do, uh, which means that you have a judge who has not reviewed it. Uh, the prosecutor's office has not reviewed it. It's just basically all based on what that uh, initial uh, report from the arresting officer that kind of dictates the bond and you don't have the oversight of the judge and you don't have the oversight of the prosecutor's office. And, and so, I mean, I think that's the challenge and that's the question that, that we as a community need to answer and, and, and talk about, you know, is, is that a system that benefits the people of Marion County? Um, you know, I wish, you know, I, I'll tell you this much, a prosecutor's office has never let anybody out of jail and a prosecutor's office has never arrested anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm always curious as to how we get blamed for something like that mm-hmm. when uh, I don't arrest someone and I don't have a key to the jail. That's not my role. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a much different role in the criminal justice system. Uh, but, but sometimes uh, people kind of conflate what people do or what people are supposed to do. Which is exactly why I asked you that question. So could you explain who was the person? So we know the police arrest them. Who let, who says you can go? Can you explain that part? So, so in this case, there was nobody who said you could go. It was, it was, it was just the, the systematically uh, you get arrested on a charge, you're immediately given a bond. And in this case, it was $150 bond. So there's no judge who assigned that $150 bond. It's automatically done. You're brought in on on this particular misdemeanor charge. Here's your $150 bond, and if you have $150, you can immediately pay it. So there's no judge who reviewed this person's record and made the determination. Hey, I think a $150 bond is appropriate. That was entirely based on uh, the bail matrix. Uh, and when that person kind of broke the threshold of the door uh, of the jail, they got that uh, bond placed on them immediately. And they were in a position to uh, post that bond before a judge or a prosecutor or anyone else had a chance to look at that case. Now, a judge did look at those charges when they were sent downstairs, uh, and I'd say downstairs hypothetically, but from your office. And the judge said, well, that person's already out of jail, so I'm not I, I can't do anything with that. Correct. Correct. Uh, interesting uh, developments. But I, I bring that up because I, when people get out of jail quickly like that. Um, and I, we don't have to necessarily drop names right now, but you know some of the folks who quickly uh, will point and say, uh, well, the prosecutor let him out. So I'm not trying to uh, allow this to be a, um, I don't know, a get out of, I don't know, bet, lack of a better term, creating a get out of jail opportunity uh, for you with this story. But I just want people to understand that I have seen people wrongly um, blame the prosecutor when something's incorrect. I just want to let people know that's not the way things happen. And here's the guy to explain it um, himself. Um, yeah. And I and I know that's a frustration for you as well. Yeah, it it, it 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 can be. I mean, I think the thing I would tell people is the the bond matrix is is posted online. Like this this isn't a secret, uh, and it says literally in the first line that you can post your bond immediately. Uh, and, and so situations like this uh, could continue to occur uh, as long as the current system is in place. Let me uh, hit you with uh, another topic. Um, obviously, there's a lot happening down in Memphis right now with this uh, police brutality situation, the death of and, and beating of, of 20-year-old Tyree Nichols. At the same time, while that is happening, we've had our own situations here in Marion County. I asked the mayor these similar questions last week when he was with us. Uh, we're having a similar situation um, where the circumstances are not exactly the same, but the result is, and that is that as a person is dead um, after 
the police arrived with uh, Herman Whitfield, who was having a mental episode last April. His parents called 911 to get some assistance. It ended up with um, Herman Whitfield uh, dying after police were on top of him, said he couldn't breathe. Uh, uh, but he was also laid on his he was more so laid on his stomach and he couldn't breathe as well as he had been um, hit with a taser. Um, and so there have been similar calls, not to the um, extreme or um, notoriety of what we have in Memphis. But um, people want those officers fired or some sort of discipline or charges. And again, I know that you can't. You don't fire police officers or you don't handle discipline. But uh, is there anything that you can tell us about that case? Are you it has been ruled a homicide uh, by the Marion County coroner's office, which does not mean it was a crime. Um, But are you looking at that case and are you looking at charges? Is there anything that you can tell us about that? Yes, we we are, and I, I think the the one thing I would tell the public is I, I think we're we're closer to a, a resolution on that case than, than maybe people realize. Mm. Uh, the other thing I would tell people is, you know, for for me as a prosecutor, I I can there's two times when I get to say something publicly about a case uh, when we announce the decision to file charges and when the case is over, uh, and and so before charges are filed and until. Uh, that happens. There's really not a lot that I can say. Uh, I do think that that case in particular raises some really strong questions and important questions about uh, what does that law enforcement response look like to mental health issues and, and, and mental health challenges that so many people in our community face. And, you know, I think the part that's disappointing to me is the Herman Whitfield case could happen again today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have a, a better response in, in terms of mental health individuals being involved. You know, there's been a lot of rhetoric. There's been a lot of promises. But the bottom line is it hasn't changed. And and that's the part that's frustrating to me. I know that's a part that's frustrating to the Whitfield family is we are not seeing the types of changes that we need to see. And that's something I think our community wants. And I think that's something our community deserves. And I know there's not a whole lot you can say as, as that process is ongoing, but um, as you had just alluded to that this case is closer to a resolution than people may think. Do you think we'll hear something? Are we talking this week, this month? Yeah, anytime I put a timeline on things, uh, <laughs> things come back to, to, yes, to, to beat me up. Uh, I, 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 I do think it will be, uh, I, I do think it'll be soon. I, I, it's not going to be this week, uh, but I certainly think that, that we'll be in a position to have a conversation with the community about what took place uh, in hope, hopefully, uh, you know, before uh, too much longer. And, and so it's something that uh, we're working very hard on. Uh, and, and we're looking forward to, to be able to hopefully provide some information to the community, uh, but most importantly to the Whitfield family as all. Well. Uh, you know, they've been great throughout this process. They've had to deal with a lot. Uh, just a, an extraordinarily extraordinary family who has just demonstrated incredible grace and dignity under the worst of circumstances. Uh, they've been incredible to work with, and uh, we can all learn something from the Whitfield family and how they've kind of handled everything. Well, the phone lines have been hot the entire time you've been on. Prosecutor, you've been a great sport dealing with me as well as uh, my technical difficulties. Can you take some callers, some calls from the listeners? Love to. All right, 317-239-1009. Uh, let's jump right in. Let's start from the topic. On line one, good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? 
Good morning, Cameron, and good morning, Prosecutor Mears. This is Brother Motep here. First of all, I want to thank you again for your public service, and I voted for you last time. You run again. I'll vote for you again. Difficult job. I have three lawyers in my family. My mother's practiced in Chicago for over 50 years. She still does consulting uh, at one at 10 North Wacker from home. And so I understand the process you're talking about. I think our public is very ignorant to how law and order the show tries to show you some people. The show tries to show you some how things go, okay? And it's the prosecutors it does not are actually offering these from the prosecutor's office, offering to get these licenses back redone. It's not their job to do. And it's the legislator's job. We have a city council here. You just talked about what you're not happy with with Herman Whitfield. We have a city council and a mayor here. We have to hold them accountable. A couple things, uh, Prosecutor Mears. Number one, people on the people. It seems like certain people in this public and and others in this public, they don't want anyone to get a bond for anything. I mean, if you got a suspended license, they don't want you to get a bond. I think it's real, real terrible. This sentiment coming out here and lack of understanding of what the bond is for. Illinois has changed their whole system of bond and cash bond. Many other states, Michigan, uh, California, has changed the thing, stuff like that. People, do not let certain people in this community talk you into thinking that everybody that gets a bond and may go do something, that's a bad thing. You have bonds related to the charge. And if the charge is a misdemeanor, you're going to get a bond, a low-level felony. You're going to get a bond. The five police officers in Memphis are out on bond. Just about every cop I've seen charged with heinous offenses were out on bond. So let's, let's, let's stop this ignorance. And I know who's doing it, and you're right, uh, Cameron, and we're not going to have it real fast. Again, uh, past, uh, Prosecutor, can you explain how to the people how the child support system changed? Because most money debts are civil arguments. But yet the Welfare Reform Act of 1996 changed owing money to mainly a criminal act because they want to tie uh, children getting welfare into fathers or whatever, or parents not working. And so, therefore, we've criminalized actually a money argument. You can owe a $300,000 mortgage, skip out on it, and you're not going to jail. Okay, so explain to people how this happened so they understand it's about funding the prison industrial complex, private prisons. And, and this is a I, – I give you credit for at least trying to buffer that process because who gets locked up most people? Black people do. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Motep. Well, the, the, first of all, thank you for the call, and I appreciate the support. And, and throughout a really – a lot of important issues out there. And, you know, when we have conversations about bond, I, I think you said something that, that, that's really, really important. Uh, most people deserve a bond. And in fact, in, in, in my view, there's a lot of people that we shouldn't even be putting bonds on them. We should be summoning them uh, as opposed to making them come down to jail, spend the night in jail on, on some of these offenses. You know, I think that when we have the question about bond, the most important thing to me is, does this person pose a, pose a threat to public safety or not? And if the question is, if that's the question and the answer is no, they do not, why does it matter if they have $100 or $10,000? Uh, if they don't pose a threat to public safety, then then you know that's not the person we need to to have into custody. Uh, and and I appreciate the thoughtfulness of that call. And they also referenced you know kind of child support and tying that in uh, to the criminal justice system. You know there were a lot of changes, and I don't think people realize 
child support, there's a lot of federal regulations as it relates to child support as well as state regulations. Uh, and he touched on something very important about, you know, how that ties into the criminal justice system and how there's potential criminal penalties uh, for a civil case, which you never see uh, with the exception of, of, of child support. And that was really a pretty significant change that we saw uh, you know, probably it's about 25 years ago now where there, there's now criminal penalties uh, for what is a civil action, uh, which is not really how that works any other walk of life. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. We are on the air live with Prosecutor Ryan Mears, who's given us an update on a number of things across uh, Marion County happening and in his office. We started the show talking about the Good Faith Initiative. Um, now we are having a conversation with you. Uh, 317-239-1009 is the number to get on the air and talk to the prosecutor. Let's go to line two. Good morning. Who's this? Greetings, Cameron. How are you doing today? Good, sir. How are you? I am well. I'm, uh, this is Paul calling. Uh, greetings to your guest. Um, I'm going to be real quick, as quick as I can be. Um, you know, I, I, uh, uh, Mr. Prosecutor, I want you to explain to us why we don't have the freedom to travel. And I noticed that you didn't uh, emphasize how much money that's generated uh, through the Bureau of Motor Vehicles that actually goes to the state. And the child support, uh, this whole system uh, is designed against the people because even though you might reinstate their license, they're still paying these penalties and different things to the state. And when people don't, when people can't travel freely to go, I was just kind of curious to, to why we don't have a right to travel. And the last thing I wanted to say, because it was brought up in the first conversation, about ignorance of the law is no excuse, but is a problem when the people that design the law are ignorant. So answer the question of why we don't have the freedom to travel. Well, for, for and that's the end of my, that's Thank the end you, of my Paul. comment. Yeah, and, and I, like you, uh, have a real problem with all the BNB reinstatement fees. Uh, I don't think they're directly related to anything. It's it's something that uh, I think is fundamentally unfair and, as again, is another barrier to people getting their license back. So I agree with you. The BMV reinstatement fees are ridiculous. Uh, and one of the things that we do in Marion County that is unique to us is uh, we work with people to waive those BMV reinstatement fees. And and so uh, if you are uh, on our website right now, indy.gov backslash NCPO, we also have second chance fairs where we help people who get their to get their driver's license reinstated who are suspended, not because they have a bunch of DUIs, but just because maybe they couldn't afford to pay a traffic ticket or the BMV fees. And we work with people to get those fees waived. Uh, I know we have one uh, coming up in the not too distant future. And so if people want to sign up for that. Uh, again, they can do that online uh, because I agree with you. The BMV reinstatement fees are ridiculous. Uh, it's an impediment to people having their license. The, the fees are not associated with any actual cost. It's just a barrier to keep people, uh, in particular poor people, from driving. And I think they're uh, fundamentally unfair, and we do everything we can uh, to try to waive as many of those fees as possible, set aside those fees. Uh, I would, you know, I think that money is much better spent going to pay for kids' child support. That money is better spent on rent. That money is better spent on food or car insurance or gas. It shouldn't be going to the BMV. 
uh, and we work very hard to make sure that that people put that money uh, to use in a way that's productive as opposed to paying some bureaucratic fee that has no nexus to justice. Uh, Prosecutor, on those fees, does your office have to pay a fee when you get somebody's license reinstated? Do, Do you have to pay up as well? No. Okay. No. Yep. So there's there there's there's no cost associated. And then, um, at the same time, can you ex- can you tell us how much money child support office has generated because of the good faith initiative? There, the money going the other way. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you that. So so first of all, it's not us getting getting the money. It's, right. it's the people. But it's the parents. Yeah. I can't I can't give you a dollar amount directly attributed to good faith. I will tell you just so people understand the scope of what we do. I mean, we collect over. A hundred million dollars every year, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's 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 a significant uh, amount of money, um, and we're not talking about you know a couple thousand dollars here or there. I mean, what what we're talking about is literally uh, over a hundred million dollars per year uh, that flows through our office and and, and to the people of, of Marion County. So you're saying, without doing the good faith initiative, the child support office would have over a hundred million dollars less no i I, i'm not attributing all of that i I just want people to understand the scope of what we're what we work with uh and and kind of the scope of the financial numbers i can't put a dollar figure necessarily on good faith uh but it's a it's a significant amount of money okay 317-239-1009 caller on line three good morning who's this uh eric norris eric you're live on the air what's on your mind I guess, uh, Mr. Rymers, I know you know who I am. Um, I was one of your first candidates to go through the second chance program to get my license back over a year ago. And I want to know what can I do because they still have not been paid. So I need to know what can I do about getting them. Who who hasn't been paid? I'm sorry? Who who hasn't been paid? I still can't hear you. Can you turn turn your radio down for us a little bit? Okay. Then that'll help. Okay. Now ask your question uh, one more time to the prosecutor. Yeah, who, who hasn't been paid? My tickets hasn't been paid. Okay. Um, can you? Uh, I'm not not. I'm, I don't have the benefit of knowing exactly what's going on here, but uh, email. Just send me your email. Uh, if you can email us at mcpo at indy.gov, I'll be looking for it. It's mcpo at indy.gov. You put your name and phone number in there, and I'll have someone give you a call and see if we can't figure out what's going on. Okay. All right, good deal. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, sir. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. That's the number to get on the air here this morning. The prosecutor uh, is doing a lot of talking uh, with us. Prosecutor, you can hang out till 9, can you, or do you got somewhere to go? No, absolutely. Happy uh, to be here. Okay, good, because I'm having fun. Uh, but I also want to let people know that on the 7th, which is two days away, so on Tuesday, the prosecutor will be uh, among the members of a panel uh, by the Central Indiana Dialogue on Public Safety. It is the February 7th at 10 a.m., and this will be a conversation about public safety being public health, and public health is public safety. On that panel, starting at 10 a.m., will be Bishop David Hall, Marion County Sheriff Carrie Farrell's Far- Marion County Sheriff Carrie Forrestal, which is apparently hard to say. Uh, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, IMPD Chief Randall Taylor, Carmel Mayor Jim Brainerd, Carmel Police Chief Jim Barlow, Attorney Zach Myers, uh, uh, 
Marshawn Woley, who in this role is serving as criminologist, as you know, he wears a lot of hats, the prosecutor himself, and then our very own uh, Tina Cosby from our sister station, WTLC AM 92.7951, as well as attorney Bob Turner will be uh, the co-moderator of that, uh, be hosted uh, here in town. And the details on that is 3333 North Illinois Street. That is at the Jewel Center. So that'd be 33rd and Illinois. Uh, you can uh, attend. Uh, and so the prosecutor will be speaking more on that. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. And, and again, our Tina Cosby will be the moderator. So heads up for that. Right now, let's stay on the phones. 317-239-1009. Let's start back at line one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Cameron. How you doing, brother Cameron? I'm good. How you doing, sir? Uh, yeah, is the prosecutor still online? Yes, he is. He can hear you. Uh, yes. Uh, this is the Honorable Reverend Phillips of 10 Point Coalition. You got, uh, you, got, you got a bit, about a minute. Hit it. Okay, yeah. I know, because I'm getting ready for church this morning. He got one soft top. I like to ask the prosecutor. Now, I got discriminated back in 2019. Uh, a landlord, uh, she was kind of, she was kind of, uh, you know, uh, LBC. Now, if a LBC do something wrong to uh, uh, like a normal person with a disability, and the LPD has to watch you put that person out, and she told him that she didn't like his time, what um, what do you what do uh, um, is they right? It's just like a normal person, right? Because I believe that when people do mistreat folks and and folks don't have to do nothing but do them or say nothing, I, and if they, you know, like I got, I, all right, if you, huh? I got I got to wrap you. Let's let him. Okay, let's let him answer. Answer that question, please. All right, thank you, Reverend Phillips. I, I, I just came around for help on. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Hey, look. Question. Yeah, me too. Um, Reverend Phillips, I did not understand the question. Neither did the prosecutor. But your call and your sentiments are appreciated. Three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Let's go to line three. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Hello. Hello. You're live on the air. Who's this? Yes, I have a question for the prosecutor. He can hear you. Um, Go for it. Okay, my question is, why is a non-custodial parent that is paying back child support not to have, not be able to travel? And I'm not talking about driving a vehicle. I'm talking about having a passport. That is my question. Did you get that one, Prosecutor? I might need to add. I, 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 I did. And, okay. You know, I, I think it goes back to kind of our first caller when he talked about kind of the federal regulation of child. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't have anything to do with the, the regulation of passports, who gets a passport, who can travel, who cannot. Mm -hmm. It goes back 
first caller mentioned in terms of there being federal oversight and federal uh, intervention in kind of setting child support guidelines and then creating federal consequences for individuals. And so that's got uh, nothing to do with the, the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. That was Congress uh, making the decision that uh, that was going to be a part of the process in, in terms of uh, evaluating people for passports. And, and so that was a, a consequence that uh, Congress made the decision to make. And, and we don't have any say in that. We don't participate in that process. Uh, that's strictly a, a federal law and federal guideline that is imposed upon people uh, through Congress. All right, there is your answer. Thank you so much for calling in, 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. Uh, Prosecutor, I don't know if you know that the panel that you're going to be on Tuesday, is that going to be streamed? Folks have sent a couple texts about that. Uh, it's, it's my understanding that it is going to be, um, and I, I, I know uh, Dr. Rush or Pastor Rush is setting that up, and they typically uh, stream those breakfasts. Uh, so I would certainly think that they would this one. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the link would actually be. But if you if you reach out to Dr. Rush on Facebook, um, he's got a pretty active presence on there. That's mm-hmm. usually where the link is posted for those breakfasts. Yeah, and I and you can, may also check the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance of Indianapolis um, is the overall host. And as you said, uh, Dr. Lionel Rush is the uh, president. But the flyer that I had did not say if it was live or not. So I thought I might ask because you're supposed to have all the answers to everything. You know that, right? Absolutely. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. Getting to the end of the show, and we do have to take a commercial break, so we may have to wrap up early so I can handle some of these technical gremlins that we've been having today. So let me squeeze in a couple more callers. Uh, let's let's knock it down to 30 seconds with your questions so we can wrap the show. Caller on line one, good morning. Who's this? Hey, how you doing? Good. My name is Ray Patrick. I just want to tell you, thank you. Uh, I was on a second chance uh, getting my license back. I have a license for 20 years. I got my license back. I'm very grateful for you giving the chance to even getting it back, uh, a.k.a. Big Bear. Thank you very much for this chance. And I will never lose my license again. This is gold in my pocket. That's all I want to say. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. And I think that caller, I hope just, you know, for, for anybody out there who has a, a suspended driver's license for a variety of reasons, you know, we work really hard to try to help people get those licenses back. Uh, and, and so, as I mentioned, in uh, indie.gov backslash MCPO, please sign up for one of our second chance fairs if you have those issues. You know, I'm not talking about the people whose driver's license is suspended because they're drag racing down 38th Street or because they have five DUIs. Uh, but I'm talking about the person who, you know, gets pulled over, money to pay the ticket, and because they can't pay the ticket, their license gets suspended. Uh, people should have their driver's license, and we shouldn't be suspending driver's license of people uh, because they're poor, because they don't have financial resources. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're working to correct that injustice. And so if people fall into that category, let us know so we can help. All right, let's uh, close it up. It's a last caller or two. Caller on line three. You're live on Open Lines with Cameron and the prosecutor. Who's this? Hello. Um, is this only, is this only um, license-related? As far as what? Um, can I talk about crime? You sure can. You, if you can do it in 30 seconds, you can. Okay. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, in the hip-hop community, it's rising violence. Um, people are making songs where they talk about killing each other. Um, I know a guy just got convicted, but are they doing anything to curb the violence within these young people? That was a good 30-second question. Prosecutor to you. I know that's a, a big one, but I'll let you handle that. 
And, and that question was directly related to young people. I'm sorry, you dropped out. Was that question directly related to young people? Yes. Yeah. So, first of all, a couple of things. Uh, we do something called uh, our Youth Violence Prevention Fellows, where we bring in people from all around the community who are young people to come in and tell us, here are the challenges that we're facing. Here are Here's what we are going through. This is how the pressure of social media is impacting us. And we try to design programming that then we offer to the community based on what young people are telling us. And so if people are interested in that program, uh, please participate in that. The, the second thing is we're looking for ways where we can establish relationships with young people outside of the criminal justice system. Uh, we did a lot of work at the MLK Center this last summer. We've done a lot of work uh, through our basketball camps and other things, trying to find that connection with young people to say, what can we do to help? And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that we really try to work on is how can we help build leaders in our community, young people who are 13, 14 years of age? How can they be leaders to keep their kids away uh, from gun violence? Uh, because when you talk to young people, the one thing that they tell you is they see too many of their friends who are not bad people, but they're scared kids. Uh, and they end up in, in, in violence. And so what can we do to build leaders to keep those kids out of violence, to, to, to offer the support that they need uh, to be able to keep their friends away from picking up a gun? Uh, it's, it's an unfortunate reality, but it's the, it's the sad reality. It's never been easier for kids to get guns uh, through Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, whatever it is. People are buying and selling guns way too easy. Uh, before, you used to kind of have to know someone. Now you do not. And so we see this proliferation of guns amongst young people in our community. They act impulsively. They act without thought. And so we need to make sure that we're doing a good job of building leaders in our community to help those young people, uh, but then also make sure kids understand the consequences of when they do have firearms, what could happen. And so we have programming that addresses both of those issues. Hey, this is more consequence related, but I also want to build young people up and, and say, you're the new leader of your community. How, how can you be an effective leader, not only on your block, on your team, in your school, uh, but to the community as a whole. And there's a lot of young people who want to step up to the plate and take on that challenge, but we have to offer them the support and the infrastructure for them to be successful. That's what we're trying to do with the prosecutor's office. We're partnering up with a lot of really cool organizations in our city who have direct access to kids. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of work to do because kids now are facing problems that we couldn't even dream of. I'm 42 years old, and I can't even imagine what kids had to go through uh, today, as opposed to, you know, I know how difficult it was for me during my teenage years. I can't imagine what it was like for these kids now with the, the pressure of social media and everything else. So it's an ongoing issue. Uh, we're always looking for new ideas. And so if people have any thoughts on that, always reach out to us and let us know because we want to make a difference with, with our young people. Prosecutor Ryan Mears, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And, you know, I, we it's easy to complain um, as a talk show host, as a reporter, as an anchor, whatever, when somebody doesn't get back to you. But I do want people to know um, that I appreciate uh, you being accessible to me on this show and as well as I had you on Fox 59 this week. And whenever um, I reach out, you always respond and you come on the show. There are some folks who um, they don't necessarily ask to know exactly, you know, what questions are you going to ask? But they want to know, Okay, what should I prepare myself for? What realm are we going to talk about so I can study up? And the prosecutor, I just say, hey, can you come on? talk about all things prosecutor's office and he always says yep um and it's very it's very easy and it's simple and just thank you for being accessible to myself and the listeners uh because it it makes a a big difference for us to be able to uh, get in touch with 
people in power, our elected officials. So thank you very much. Thank you. I always enjoy the conversation. Uh, and anytime you need me, let me know. I'm here. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Because when I when I text you or I call you, you always respond. Now, when he doesn't, then then I'll let you guys know. Then then you know that <laughs> something's really is really really up because he doesn't want to come. All right, uh, Prosecutor Ryan Mears, thank you so much uh, again for coming on. How can folks get in touch with your office if they've got questions about anything? MCPO at Indy.gov is our email address. Name. We need your name, date of birth and a phone number so we can get back to you as quick as possible. And then you can always visit us online at indy.gov backslash MCPO. Ton of resources there. Uh, Remember, we're here to help you. So please reach out to us. We want to be an asset to this community. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good week. You do the same. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Thank you so much for starting your week with us here on the new Hot 100.9 and 106.7 WTLC. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. I'm sure they'll have me out on some breaking news. Is it going to be warmer tomorrow? Do you guys notice that when it, when I'm on TV and I'm out in the, uh, in the cold, that my eyes water as soon as I start talking? It's not a pretty sight. So thank you for not t- turning the channel. But I'll be out chasing some breaking news tomorrow starting at 5 a.m. on CBS 4 and at 4 a.m. on Fox 59 Morning News. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you back here on the radio next Sunday live at 8.